to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Bullock. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. And welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Fullick, and as always, we like to talk about things related to business continuity, disaster planning, crisis management, communications, and everything that can be related to those fields. Today, I am recording from the Continuity and Resilience Today conference in Toronto, May 29th through May 31st. And for this show, there will be uh, different segments and pieces of conversations that I've had with some of the uh, speakers here, the coordinators, um, people that are involved, just to get some thoughts and feelings on what they want to get from the conference, what they have got from the conference. I'll be recording over the next few days, you know, small little segments, so things may sound a little different at times or a little strange at times, but, you know, uh, in a way I'm kind of a recording live here, uh, even though you're going to hear it uh, someplace uh, down the road here from the moment that I'm recording. So I hope you enjoy this. Um, so far, uh, meeting people uh, early this morning on the 29th, uh, certainly seems like it's going to be a fun conference with some very interesting people and very interesting topics that are, are going to be presented here. Uh, at the Sheraton Hotel here in downtown Toronto. It's really warm outside, uh, <laughs> just so you're aware. We're very, very, it's very hot here, unnormally un hot. Um, but I hope you enjoy this. Uh, and again, for anyone who is listening, if there are topics you want us to talk about, uh, anything that uh, you want to hear on the show or specifically addressed, don't be afraid to send me an email um, on the Voice America webpage there uh, for the show, Preparing for the Unexpected, there is a button where you can send the host a message. So feel free, send me a message saying, hey, I'd like to hear uh, such and such topic, and I can always you know, try and find someone to come in and talk about that topic, or have you come on the show and talk about uh, the topic. Um, either way, it's fine with me, but uh, I'll be reaching out to one way or another if you send me a message. So feel free to do that. Otherwise, I hope you enjoy these uh, various recordings and uh, little uh, snippet uh, interviews with various people at the conference here. Um, and enjoy, and uh, we'll be adding lots of new uh, comments and uh, suggestions throughout the, the show on uh, how the conference is going and what people would like to see. And I'm in the main ballroom now. I'm just doing some last minute setups. We've got lots of tables at about 300, 350 people attending, which is going to be great for the conference, especially the inaugural uh, Continuity and Resilience Today conference, which you may recall is a spin-off um, or breakup, really, of the original World Conference on Disaster Management, which used to be held annually here in Toronto. There's a lot of uh, different varied speakers here uh, from all over the world, actually. I believe I see the Brazilian flag. There's a lot of Canadian content, obviously, uh, since it is here in Canada. We do have some people from the United States presenting, and there's even uh, somebody coming all the way from New Zealand. So they've uh, certainly got a long way to travel. 
The conference is organized um, and starting a little later in the day, uh, just after lunch, to allow uh, a lot of people to travel to get here. Uh, often, you know, we attend conferences that are first thing in the morning, and you know, people miss the beginning because you know they have to take kids to school, or you know, they're still traveling. Their flights don't get back. They've got to check into hotels, or they have to arrive a day earlier, uh, increasing costs. So this one took all that into consideration this year and has people um, coming and starting at one o'clock to allow for all of that. Uh, same thing with it ending. It ends later on uh, the 31st, uh, actually not later, sorry, earlier on the 31st after lunch uh, about uh, 12 o'clock again to allow people to get to the airports and take trains back home or drive or however they're getting here. Uh, which is a, a pretty nice thing to do, considering a lot of conferences don't do that. They usually end at the end of the day, and then everyone's rushing or scrambling or has to leave early, you know, and they end up missing part of the conference. We've got a lot of uh, different subject matter uh, to cover in this conference. There's obviously the topic of resiliency and a few sessions uh, increasing the resiliency of your organization by Linda Nelson. She's the president of ICOR. We have the business impact analysis uh, What's the full title here? Uh, Business Impact Analysis Relevance to Disaster Recovery by Denis Lennard. Um, he'll be talking about that. We've got a few other uh, resilience topics and uh, challenges and lessons. What's something I'm very uh, interested in, in listening to are lesson learned sessions. Um, because I'm always one of the belief that a lesson learned without action is just a lesson observed. And there's a lot of talk about lessons learned. Um, unfortunately, not a lot end, ends up happening. You know, unless you do something and validate it, you really haven't learned anything. So um, we've actually done a show on that before. Uh, the lessons learned. Um, uh, take a listen to that. Uh, aired a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's a great show um, with author Nick Bolton. And uh, it's uh, really uh, it offers a lot of insight into the uh, lessons learned and how to actually do it properly. And he, he's an author of the book, Lesson Learned Handbook. So please take a, feel free and listen. Many of the guests here at the Continuity and Resilience uh, Today conference, um, the speakers I'm going to actually be interviewing over the next few weeks um, and coming months. So we'll be airing some of their topics that they presented at the conference and uh, giving you some insight as to what it was that uh, happened here um, about the BIA, you know, the lessons learned, um, the resilience, all those different topics. Not every speaker, of course, but uh, quite a few have expressed interest. So um, I will be setting up time to go through things with them and they will be on the show and talking about their conference. Well, I've gone through my first day of the Continuity and Resilience Today conference. Um, a lot of great presentations. So far, um, there isn't really a presentation that I regret attending, um, which is great considering this is the really the inaugural um, CRT conference here in Toronto. Uh, fantastic, great sessions. Uh, the first session I attended was a, a keynote speaker by uh, a hacker's view of critical infrastructure um, by Mr. Robert Beggs. He gave some uh, great information about hackers and what uh, they're doing. He does that for a living, uh, ethically, like uh, he does get paid to do this, uh, go to companies and uh, try to penetrate their systems. Uh, you know, he had a few jokes in there that uh, made a very serious topic quite interesting. Some of the key points uh, he brought up were things like supply chain. A lot of companies tend to forget that they have supply chain 
vulnerabilities out there. You know, they put a lot of money towards their own uh, systems, but they forget that they're connected to other partners and vendors that are out there. And sometimes those aren't getting tested properly. And eventually, you know, if those companies, uh, partners get penetrated, uh, hacked, uh, you know, they have some sort of a vulnerability, you know, there's that trickle on down that can come back and, and haunt you yourself. You know, he also mentioned that uh, a lot of hacker attacks never get uh, actually reported. Uh, a lot of companies tend to, you know, be afraid to report that, so they don't report the, you know, the um, the way hackers got in to a system to uh, authorities or anyone else. So, you know, something they may have learned and been able to fix and resolve doesn't get communicated to other companies or other organizations. So they end up experiencing the same thing rather than, you know, groups working together. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, the bad publicity that can come along with that, a company's reputation, market share, you know, profitability. It can all impact them eventually. And another uh, interesting point he brought up was uh, a lot of legacy systems and for, for people, uh, I guess I'll use the dummy term that was given to me a long time ago. Legacy systems are older systems, you know, not the new technology, but old stuff that's been around for a long, long time. Those systems, uh, they don't get maintained in many organizations, not all, many organizations by uh, IT. They're maintained by business operations or an operations team that don't necessarily have all the skills that other IT teams have. They have their own specialized set of skills, don't get me wrong. Uh, and I don't mean to uh, say that uh, they don't. But there's some of these uh, IT teams that uh, do have, you know, security and privacy and, you know, um, hacker knowledge and all the all these other pieces that come with it. You know, they're not maintaining these uh, legacy systems. So they tend to be a little bit more vulnerable to to hacks. Uh, he also mentioned that uh, in some instances uh, where uh, organizations have a unionized uh, component and a non-unionized component, he was at an organization, and I will not name it, um, but they found that the union uh, component wouldn't talk about these uh, instances with non-union because when there were... Uh, problems on the union side, it would make them look bad if the non-union had to resolve them. So they didn't actually communicate about some of the vulnerabilities that were out there, which I personally I thought was kind of silly because everybody's impacted regardless if you're, regardless if you're unionized or not. Um, but I thought that was an interesting point. And a, another key thing he said, uh, critical infrastructure is not immune. So I know we listen to radio stations, we see it on the news, and there's always reports. Um, critical infrastructure was not impacted. You know, there, there are systems and, and processes in place. But it's been proven over time that critical systems can be hacked. They are not, you know, impervious to uh, disasters or, or uh, hackers trying to get into the systems. There are cases where it does happen. So when people say this is a critical infrastructure, so it's protected, that's not necessarily the case. It may have uh, systems and processes and protections in place, but there's still the same chance that they can get hacked. So people shouldn't think that because it's a critical system, nothing is going to happen. That's wrong. <laughs> uh, Cybercrime is a lucrative uh, business for a lot of uh, hackers. And, you know, people you know organize crime and things like that. So. Uh, a, 
they will go into it not necessarily because they want to hack, but because they want to make money. And as of recording this morning, there was a uh, there is a uh, a news report here in Canada about CIBC and uh, Bank of Montreal, uh, BMO, they that are having some issues with hackers and uh, identities that were stolen through one of their uh, businesses. So shared businesses. So there's uh, you know it's happening right now and it's real. So people shouldn't believe that uh, you know they could be impervious to things. Um, and he also just suggested be proactive. Uh, adopt a hacker's kind of methodology and mindset. You believe that you're going to be hacked and then work from there. Um, not just build, you know, put all your effort in building all these walls, you know, and, and firewalls, actually, it's a term I should be using, firewalls and other devices in place. Yes, that that's good. It's good to have, you know, he's not saying don't do it. Um, however, you know, the message that I took was be proactive and think like a hacker. How can I get around that wall? You have this wall in place. How do I get through it? How do I get over it, through it, under it, around it? You know, and then take, build your your further um, anti-hacking, <laughs> I guess for a better term, uh, anti-hacking processes, uh, you know, and security uh, procedures from there. You know, think like a hacker. You know, don't just uh, respond. Be proactive. You know, and, and think like them. You know, as as we should do with business continuity. And uh, IT disaster, you know, we think these things are going to happen, so we put, you know, mitigations in place and response plans to do it. We think that something's going to happen. The next section I attended uh, was uh, by a gentleman named Doug Grant, uh, Cybersecurity and Crisis Management. And uh, he went through a sample of an incident command system, the ICS. You know, which many people, I'm sure, will listen. It's pretty common you know, with the Disaster Recovery Institute, Business Continuity Institute, and many others. It's pretty standard uh, you know, in many organizations uh, uh, that have uh, related to the industry um, that have this in place as a guide. And he went through some uh, lessons learned of having to uh, implement some of this through his uh, job and company and some of the things that he has found and, you know, one ICS system doesn't necessarily work for everybody, you know, and sometimes some of the problems that occur is if you just follow the basic structure, you know, the, the leader, the finance administration section, the operations, logistics, you know, the, those couple of areas, sometimes you've got people reporting to individuals that they've never even met in the company, you know, they and they are assigned roles and responsibilities that they don't do in normal uh, business as usual activities. So his suggestion is, you know, assign the right people to the two areas and create the teams that make sense to your organization and assign the individuals that are part of those teams their current roles and responsibilities. Don't change them on them uh, because they're not going to know what to do under pressure because they've never done it when there isn't any pressure. I thought that was uh, rather interesting because I've experienced a lot of that myself, you know, uh, where there's been problems um, uh, with people, you know, that suddenly there's a disaster and they're reporting to someone they've never reported to. So they still end up talking to their manager who's not a part of the ICS command system. And he suggested when you're testing, you know, crawl first, walk, and then run. You know, do your processes first, make sure everything's in place. You know, walk by your roles and responsibilities. And then when you're running, do your mock tests. So um, his was rather uh, an interesting one. I've experienced quite a bit of what he said. 
then the last session uh, that I uh, attended, um, as you may remember, I, may, I said that the, the conference was actually starting at noon, so it was kind of a half a day on, on this first day. And the last session, uh, Building Resilience Organizations on Shaky Ground, from Mary Sue Critchlow, who was from Wellington, New Zealand. And she was telling us about what her organization did uh, with the earthquakes that have happened down in Wellington and Christchurch. And she was giving us some uh, insight, you know, how they were building their plans. They, um, Wellington was basically shut down uh, after one of the uh, earthquakes and the, the tsunamis and aftershocks, etc., that hit Wellington afterwards, you know, from... Uh, communications were down you know there there was they were really shut off from the rest of the world for a couple of days and what happened in Christchurch and you know the devastation that occurred there and building their plans they broke down silos and they had 11,000 aftershocks can you believe it 11,000 aftershocks in Christchurch but she went through how her company did that and these uh, guests, I, I hope to get all of them on the show to, to speak, but uh, so far, everything is just fantastic. The speakers are top quality, the topics are fantastic, and um, we'll be right back with uh, our second segment uh, to talk about what uh, happened on the second day. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Attention. If you're a parent, educator, social worker, or civic or religious leader, the most important program you'll hear this week is Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Host Opal Singleton and her guest show how our children and others are being dangerously lured by predators through the dark web, social media apps, and games. Beyond that, the program looks at trends in human trafficking and more. You'll never think of the Internet the same way again. Listen Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips is an insider's glimpse at a life from a psychological perspective. It's a look at what matters to us. Why do we laugh? How do we cope with stress? Are men and women really that different? What is it about our relationships? How are they formed? How they work out? And why they sometimes don't? Every week is something new to engage you. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll turn up your perspective on life. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. 
Again, that's info at stone-road.com. Now back to preparing for the unexpected. And welcome back. This is uh, my commentary on the second day of the Continuity and Resilience uh, Today Conference, uh, May 30th, uh, here in Toronto at the Sheraton Centre. I have to admit, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of good people, and I really think the setup of this conference has worked in its favor. Uh, When you come out of the uh, rooms where the sessions are being held, that's where the vendors are, you know, and the sponsors. So it's giving everyone an opportunity to be close without uh, dispersing all over the place where um, sometimes you go to a conference, uh, you know, anywhere in the world for any subject. You know, I I don't want anyone to feel as though I'm picking on... uh, uh, disaster recovery or business continuity conferences are not it's just conferences in general uh, where you have one end of the building is you know the sponsors or you know you go down long hallways and you're separated and i'm finding that this the way this setup is done where everybody's closer has provided an opportunity for a lot more social interaction and people speaking because as soon as you come out of the rooms there's the sponsors that you know and you're all uh, grouped kind of together. So everyone's talking to each other a lot more than uh, what I've ever, ever seen before. And I think that's a big kudos to the planning committee, you know, Dan Joyce uh, the, from McGregor Communications, who put the conference on, and uh, Joe Azorio from Disaster Recovery Institute Exchange, uh, sorry, Disaster Recovery Information Exchange Toronto, the president. Chris Horn, the president of the Business Continuity Institute Canada, and John Yamyuk, the uh, Canadian president of the Disaster Recovery Institute, um, the three uh, co-chairs of the uh, conference. I think it's worked in their favor. Maybe it was by accident the way it was set up. I don't know, but it certainly has worked really well, and I've kind of enjoyed that social aspect. Now, uh, let's talk about the some of the sessions that uh, the conference had uh, today. The first uh, big session of the day was by Cheyenne Marling, and I'm sure many of you may know Cheyenne um, from uh, BC Management. Uh, you know, I think she's with Fuge, no, Fire, Firestorm. Firestorm now, I know I get uh, emails from her. She's been a recruiter for 20 years in this industry. Uh, so she, she's got a lot of uh, good insight, you know, and um, uh, she's been around for a while, and uh, I'm sure many of you get her emails. But she did a session on uh, BCM program trends. What are the most successful programs doing right? She had some really good, interesting things. There was a recent uh, survey that was um, completed. I believe the results have just been published. Um, and it's June 1st today. Uh, sorry, May, May 30th. I'm ahead of myself. May 30th today. Uh, and I believe just in the last couple of weeks, they've been published, the results. So check that out. Um, but she mentioned a few things, you know, uh, that... Successful programs, you know, they're not just focusing on, you know, BIAs and testing and risk assessments and things like that. They're interacting with a lot of other groups within an organization, like security, health and safety, uh, you know, facilities group, information security. You know, they're, they're talking to a lot of other groups to find out what they're doing, what are their plans, and making sure that everybody is in alignment. Now, it obviously depends on your program itself. You know, how uh, many groups you may want to interact with or need to interact with. But there's, you know, such a a wide variety of groups 
that uh, you know you want to be involved with and your organization is going to determine which ones you you need and which ones you have and which ones you don't you know you're going to have some kind of a facilities team even if you're sharing a building you own the building or you're a tenant within a large building you know and you're dealing with a property management group you're still going to want to know what they're doing you know when disasters occur what your role is you know so you have to interact with these groups and that was a, an interesting one for for some groups uh, because some people just you could see some eyebrows raise you know uh, health and safety really i used to be on a health and safety committee many many years ago and part of our role of the occupational health and safety committee were to perform site assessments um, or inspections every uh not every month i don't think it was i think it was every couple of months if I recall, and you know we're identifying risks and hazards that may occur, and if you know these come to fruition, you know a bunch of cords all plugged into the same outlet or something like that, then that could spark a fire or somebody can fall and uh, get hurt, and then you've got you know different situations that that occur. So it's good to be involved with some of that stuff. So I, I was quite happy to hear that because you know I've been doing that before. So um, and she's also mentioned, and it was. Only a couple of people ever mention this specific word. They always talk about executives and the C-level and getting their buy-in. But she mentioned stakeholders. Stakeholders are defined as anybody who has a vested interest by what you're doing. So that includes the C-level, but it also includes your colleagues, people that either report to you, uh, people that are on the same uh, hierarchy level is yourself, you know, uh, directors, vice presidents, you know, anybody, internal and external. You know, your community is a stakeholder, depending on what you do. If you're a big company and you have a big facility somewhere and you're shipping dangerous goods or, you know, a pharmaceutical area, you know, if something happens at your location, your community is a stakeholder. So, uh, I thought that was finally good to start hearing people talk about, you know, stakeholders beyond the C-level, you know, and getting their buy-in. That was a good thing to she brought forward. And uh, she also mentioned that, you know, where your um, uh, your command or your, your incident command system, you know, your crisis management team or your business continuity, you know, position it where it makes sense in your organization, some places have it within finance, some have it in IT, some have it to the risk manager, some have it, you know, directly reporting to the president. But do what makes sense to you. That's what, you know, that was a key message she had. And I really liked that because so many people say it belongs here. And, you know, when they kind of stamp the table type thing, right? You know, thou shall have your BCM program here. And I really like the fact that she had mentioned you know, it, it should go where it makes sense. And I, I truly believe that. And the nice thing is a bunch of other people had said that too in a few other sessions um, that I'll talk about. So that was good to hear. And, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, with competencies, you know, or the skill sets, it goes beyond just being able to write a plan or, you know, you need to be able to think ahead, be proactive, you know, have an investigative nature, you know, to ask a lot of questions and validate things. Don't just take what people say, uh, what do you call it? Um, you know, if they say X is X, you know, it's like, well, that's interesting because a different group said X is actually Y. So, you know, you've got to make sure you can make those connections, you know, dependencies, you know, you need skills beyond just being able to type, you know, a plan or use an application, you know, if you're using, uh, you know, some of the 
uh, available applications that are out there. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Uh, audit. Um, now, <laughs> I always have a problem with audit. Um, if you're if you've got a program in place and you're you're doing specific things, you know this is how what our plan is made up of. This is what we're doing to ensure that we do that. And these are the gaps we currently have. And here's our plan to address those gaps to get to what we said we would do then that's what you should be uh, measured against, you know, when it comes to internal and external auditors. Um, I, I have a really big problem when external auditors come in and you're aligned with ABC standard, you know, uh, for example, you know, that's what you're following, that's your goal, you know, and you've got different pieces in place and you're still working on others and you've got a plan to address them, and they come in and measure you against a completely different standard. That makes no sense to me, and I always have a problem with uh, internal and external auditors that do that. You know, and a lot of times these auditors have, and no offense to anyone out there who's listening, um, because I have an audit designation myself, so I know what I'm talking about. You know, it, it's it's more than just doing an internet search. You know, on what business continuity is. You know, you may find a definition somewhere else and say, well, this is what it is. There are many definitions, so. And uh, incorporating lessons learned. You know, a lesson learned without action is only a lesson observed. Now, long-time listeners out there know that expression or any something along that lines has been said on multiple shows. You know, we've got to learn from our lessons, internal and external. You know, our competitor has a situation. Who knows what might have happened? Um, but we see what's, what's happening to them playing out in the news. We learn from what they're doing well, what they're doing wrong. And we should look at our plans and say, would, would the same thing happen to us if we had the same situation? Would we weather this storm any better than they did? So <clears throat> uh, I, I was glad to hear that, you know, in, in the findings that that had come uh, out as well. And, uh, and I already mentioned it again, but here I'll, I'll say it in my notes just in case. Build the program you know, that suits your business. You know, guidelines and standards that are out there, you know, principles and practices and all kinds of information that you can get. Some of it may not work for you and you may have to change it or you may have outsourced something or you may not actually do something, you know, that that calls for a specific piece. Build what suits you, you know, and focus on what will get you through the bad times when something you know you weren't prepared for or something unexpected and we'll use that word occurs so that you can move forward so i thought that was uh, very interesting but her last comment is the one that i really liked the most business continuity is not disappearing it's evolving it's changing it's growing and there was a question about adaptive uh, business continuity and if you've listened to the show you know there's a couple i've had a couple of uh, uh, segments that have been posted with the authors of Adaptive Business Continuity, David uh, Linstead and Mark Armour. So it was interesting to, to that come up uh, in her comments because Adaptive BC is part of that evolving change. Whether you like what's being said or whether you don't like what's being said uh, is irrelevant. The fact is the industry is changing and moving forward. And if you've been in the industry long enough, you'll remember back in 98, 99 when business continuity started to replace disaster planning and there was a big fuss back then you know around y2k so um i, I thought that was really good uh, i was happy to hear that 
And there were uh, there was an interesting presentation with uh, Mr. Paul Doucette, who talked about evolving, evolving global military uh, and terrorism threats. And he explained the, uh, the confusion uh, around the Middle East and, you know, what's causing some of those issues and, you know, how we need to look at that and prepare for some of these different things and understand the situation. You know, we can't just read the headlines and think we know what's going on. You know, we've, we've got to do our homework, too. You know, let's face it. You know, we have to investigate, say, how does this threaten me? You know, there's things that can happen anywhere. You know, we've got active shooters, unfortunately, around the world now. So you can't ignore that subject. You know, you've got to look at it. You've got to investigate it. You know, do you have a plan in place? And if it's not a plan for you, does your property manager have something in place? You know, do, does some other group have something in place? You know, you need to, to look at that and, and incorporate it. You know, and create, you know, when you do that, you're creating, you know, resilience, you know, at, at a regional level, local level, organizational level, community level, your home level. So he brought up some interesting points there, you know, and uh, I'm going to be having him and Cheyenne, believe it or not, uh, Paul Doucette and Cheyenne, uh, on the show in the coming uh, months. Um, obviously, the conference is still going on, so I haven't booked any time yet, but they're go both going to be on. So we're going to be talking about this in a lot more detail. So um, they're really good, uh, interesting uh, topics uh, to talk about that they presented. Uh, one of the last pieces that Paul had mentioned that uh, I enjoyed as well was everybody should have 72 hours of supplies. You know, water, toiletries, you know, uh, granola bars, you know, some kind of food. You know, if you lose power, you know, the, the golden hour, as it was called. You know, you need to be able to take care of yourself in those three hours, uh, three days, sorry, before some sort of help arrives. You know, and that turns out to be uh, quite a bit of the average. Once things get uh, uh, mobilized and going, uh, you know, and they may reach you, it's usually turning out to be 72 hours. So I, I liked that one. Uh, we had a fantastic presentation by, uh, I'm very proud to say, a local police officer uh, for the Toronto Police uh, Force, Mr. Greg, uh, Constable Gregory uh, Boltianski, who talked about um, you know active attacker awareness, and which I actually just mentioned. So there was some great stuff there. I am going to be trying to get him on the show as a police officer. You know, I can't just ask him. I've got to go through the proper channels. But I would love to get him on the show or someone uh, to do his presentation on the show. It was incredibly uh, knowledgeable and, and full of insight. And plus, he's a, he was actually a good speaker. You know, when you're talking about such a serious subject and yet we're laughing, um, that's kind of good because those points actually stick in your head more because you remember the joke and then you remember why you were laughing, what he said to make that joke. And that kind of sticks more than you know people who nod off <laughs> when you're listening to some presentations. Um so, uh, there was something he did mention here. Let me see if I can find it in my notes. Um, the run, hide, and fight, which um, he actually calls, we call here, run, hide, and defend. You know, so you run, get away from the situation if you can. Obviously hide and try and barricade yourself in a, in a room. You know, be quiet, turn off uh, the lights, turn off your cell phone. You know, believe it or not, at least the noise, right? The noise and any kind of bright so that, you know, you're not found. And, you know, fight if you have to, 
but, but actually defend, you know, defend yourself if you need to. And that's a last resort. Wait till the police get there and then follow the instructions, you know, um, when they, they help, you know, they, they help rescue you. Um, let's see what else. Um, Canadians will know, uh, David Phillips. He's been on all kinds of news shows and radio shows. He's got published books. Actually, I believe one of them was a bestseller. Uh, tomorrow's weather forecast, warmer, wetter, and wilder. I, I don't know where to begin with his presentation. He, he gave such great stuff, but I, I, I will touch on one piece. He mentioned that in the last 10 years, there have been 92 greater than a billion dollar disasters. 10 years before that, there were only 38. 10 years before that, only 21 greater than $1 billion disasters. So, obviously, we're heading in a direction where more disasters are coming. Um, the other section, and I'm going to be having this uh, individual on the show as well, Marie-Hélène Primo. Um, how do you make your plans more resilient? By using your BCP for smaller incidents and interruptions. Uh, really interesting, some great stuff, and we're going to be talking with Marie on that in the coming months as well. And... I think there was one more that day, or no, no, that was the last one that day, that's right. <laughs> I've got so many notes here, I, who knows when I'm getting lost here. Uh, but that was day two, fantastic stuff, uh, you know, great lunch and great breakfast, you know, uh, the planners have done a fantastic job, and again, I recommend everyone coming uh, to this conference, Continuity and Resilience, today, uh, next year, once uh, new dates are announced. And we'll be right back with the show with segment three. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. All around the outermost rim of the shield, he set the mighty stream of the river Oceanus. Creating Achilles' Shield in Homer's The Iliad, Book 18. Rachel Carson, in The Sea Around Us, said, All at last, return to the sea, to Oceanus, the ocean river, like the ever-flowing stream of time, the beginning and the end. Moyer's Environmental Dialogues with Dr. Rob Moyer offers lively dialogue and revealing narrative inquiry into how individuals are overcoming obstacles and creating a greener and blue planet Earth. Tune in Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation, hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts. We'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
news, opinion, your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. And welcome back to our last segment. And again, I'm kind of going, giving you some highlights and uh, an overview of the great conference I just attended, the Continuity and Resilience Today conference. It's May 31st today, so this is day three. And uh, this is a kind of a bit of a shorter day. Um, the nice, one of the nice things the planners considered is all the people that came from out of town, you know, their travel time, catching flights. Um, you know, I'm sure many of you have been to conferences where when a conference starts off, the hall is only half full, you know, in the middle, by the end of the day, it's full and the, the first full day, it's all full. And then you get to the last day and you know, you're back down to half the attendees again because everyone's got to catch their flights or take trains, you know, or drive, you know, whatever the case may be. So the planners this year took that into account and made it uh, a lot easier. Um, so by having uh, sessions start halfway through the first day and finishing halfway through on the last day to allow for all that travel, and which was interesting because it's not often you see a full room of uh you know attendees for the last day and there were quite a few you know that hung around obviously some had to leave but uh, uh there were it was still you know i swear 80 80 percent full you know a lot of 75 to 80 percent full uh, of attendees still there so the last day i just had a couple of sessions and the first one was shannon walter and again i will be having shannon on the show um, uh, funny enough, during her presentation, she referred to herself as being called a bulldog, you know, because she just goes after things, you know, and she gets what she wants when it comes to the, uh, or not really what's, what she wants, but what's needed for, from the people who have to provide it, decisions, you know, and information. Um, and it's interesting because uh, my current contract right now, I'm called a bulldog. So I could relate to a lot of things that uh, Shannon was saying. Uh, her topic was emergency management, incident management, and business continuity management, the trifecta of resilience. Um, you know, she doesn't like the term crisis, you know, uh, communications or crisis management, actually. Um, everything is an incident, you know, uh, regardless of the scale. So, and I kind of agree with that, you know, uh, I, I thought it was good, you know, and I know, you know, <laughs> when people asked her questions, they would say crisis management, and, you know, and they quickly changed. I mean incident. So, you know, there was some humor. Um, but she gave some great information, too, how these plants need to work together. You know, you can't just have a start-stop, you know, like a waterfall effect with these plans. Um, you know, when something, immediately when something occurs, you know, evacuation, you know, your emergency management plan kicks in. But then maybe a piece of your incident management needs to kick in as well. You know, you don't just wait till you're all outside waiting for a fire marshal or property management or whoever communicates to you what the situation is and then determine if you're starting your plan, you know, your incident process or any business continuity. No, you, you start them, you know, right away as soon as you can. 
and that that was uh, interesting, you know. Um, and she also had a great point, which a lot of people sometimes forget, is when we make our plans and our processes, we obviously have assumptions in place. You know, when we say that we're going to go to XYZ location, um, that may not be the case, you know, or we're going back into our building, you know, after two days, that may not be the case because fire marshals, police, or, or other civil authorities may override your decisions. So you have to be aware of that ahead of time so you that you know if you're told you're, you can't go back into your facility, it's going to be a week, you already have to have your incident management in place your business continuity plans, you know, some of those, uh, depending on where it is or the situation, of course, activated so that you can take that into account. Okay, we're not going home. We're going to be continuing, you know, our continuity uh, activities the way they are now, you know, and for another three, four days before we can get back into our building. I thought that was an interesting point because uh, nobody else had mentioned it. And it's not too often that anyone does. Because we do, you know, tend to make, and, and it's not just business continuity people or disaster planners or emergency response people, but in project management and all all core uh, kinds of industries and, and businesses, we make assumptions, but we never validate them, you know, uh, and we never have something in place in case they turn out not to be true. So that was a good point. I, I really liked what she had to say there. And... Another uh, interesting point she had is sometimes the best action is no action. Sometimes you do have to just wait and see what's happening. She gave us an example, and uh, I won't go into all the details because I don't have the time to do that here, and I'll get her to tell us about it uh, when she comes on the show, is sometimes you overreact when something occurs. Oh my goodness, this just happened. And you start activating things, you start changing things, you cause, I, I don't want to say panic, but you get people, you know, uh, running about activating their plans or making uh, uh, calls to, you know, to uh, staff or to clients and partners, and, you know, and sometimes, you know, you need to find out what is the actual situation. She gave an example where if they had just waited a very short time, I, I think she said something like 30 minutes, they, nothing would have happened. But they decided to act so fast that it caused actually confusion. And it took them a week to get back to normal because of if they had just waited 30 minutes. So sometimes, uh, you know, the best action is to not do anything and wait just a little bit. It, obviously, you know, if you've had a bomb go off, that's not what I'm talking about, of course. You know, but a quick power outage or, you know, um, something along those lines that, that that may happen, you know, a thunderstorm or whatever, but not, you know, fires or big things. You know, I, I think I think you can understand that. Um, and, and she also talked about making sure, and I've said this before, is making sure you've got defined uh, roles and responsibilities. You know, um, they, she went through that topic a little bit, and I'll get her to expand on that when, when she comes on the show as well. And uh, I, I thought that was... Uh, she gave some great information on that because she's been a planner as well and she's been doing this for a very long time. So I look forward to having Shannon uh, on the show. Um, she's from Regina, so uh, hopefully uh, you know she's not too cold right now. <laughs> uh, she was, uh, by the way, someone else who had mentioned uh, about stakeholders, you know, and that stakeholders are internal and external as well. And she mentioned uh, 
getting some uh, training in other disciplines, you know, becoming aware of how uh, to deal with uh, different levels, you know, how C-level people talk and what their expectations are versus somebody who is a, um, a mid-level or low-level manager, you know, who may want more detail. You know, someone higher up may not want the detail, but you always have it in your pocket just in case they ask. You know, they want something more high level. So she also suggested, you know, different, getting different skills on how to do that, like project management, understanding how these things work. And, you know, the lessons learned, keeping an eye on what's going on, obviously attending conferences and things like that. So and the next presentation, um, monitoring social media in real time for uh, situational awareness by Lieutenant Glenn Mills. He is a lieutenant in uh, Burlington, uh, Massachusetts. I believe it was, I know he said it's outside of Boston. And a great guy, very funny, um, made some great jokes. Um, he's obviously very proud of his Boston uh, sports teams because he kept reminding us poor Tor Torontonians um, how good Boston is. <laughs> and I'm sure many uh, Toronto Torontonians, uh, Canadians listening, will understand that. Um, he talked about you know, monitoring different uh, social medias for cue, uh, cues on what's happening. Um, you know, there there were times when you could have a disaster situation occur, and you know, a press release three hours later would do. Well, now it's you know seconds when things are out, um, and that ha he gave us a couple of examples uh, where that occurred. You know, in in a matter of seconds. You know, information on, on situations like the Boston bomb, Boston Marathon, you know, um, the uh, bombing that occurred there. Information was out on social media like Twitter um, within seconds, you know, but, which was faster than when even police, you know, received a formal phone call. You know, even though they were notified, obviously, right away, Twitter actually beat them to it, you know, getting the message out. So... It was rather interesting, and he gave us some ideas, and when he comes on the show, I'm going to get him to give us some uh, names of some applications uh, that can be used for organizations to help monitor, you know, social media during situations, you know, for keyword searches and hashtags and, you know, things that occur, you know, let's say, um, well, I'm in here, I live in Guelph, Ontario, Canada, so anything related to Guelph. You know, uh, and I can see, you know, on Twitter, everything that gets posted regarding Guelph. So he's got some uh, good information for everybody as well. And I look forward to his. It was quite interesting um, with some of his examples that uh, uh, and applications that are out there, some of which I had no idea existed. And the last part of the day was where I was actually involved. It was the... Um, Closing panel discussion. Panel discussion uh, was rather uh, interesting because I was on the panel with uh, Cheyenne Marling, who I mentioned at the beginning, and uh, Denise. Um, Denise, now I've, uh, her last name escapes me. I know I have it written down here, but my scribbles sometimes are not the easiest thing to read. Um, but the three of us were on there. We were asked a lot of questions, we gave a lot of opinions. There's a lot of um, uh, very uh, varied uh, viewpoints on what business continuity is and how to do things and how to address things. I know as myself, 
I have, you know, I can draw from my own experiences, which is what I prefer to do rather than, you know, draw from a standard or a guideline. I'd rather give my own experiences. And then people can, who you probably do have their own um, guidelines, you know, and, and things like that, can say, hey, that's that's how I would do it too. Or no, I wouldn't do it that way. I would do it this way. And I find that a very, you know, a, a good way of learning rather than just looking at a book and finding out how we do it. But there were some great questions, a lot of questions. I was quite uh, surprised by how many questions uh, came out. Um, there was a fantastic uh, online application where you could submit questions anonymously if you wanted and, you know, ask the panel or ask the room as well. Um, and, and that happened. So it turned out really well. Um, I was quite happy and I will admit it's been a few years since I was actually speaking in front of an audience uh, because I've been busy with so many other things. So I was a little nervous. My fingers were cold and, you know, I think I sat on them for a little while at the beginning, but then I, you know, really warmed up after a few minutes and kept talking. And, you know, sometimes I I think I did a little too much talking, you know, um, but it was very well. I enjoyed listening to the viewpoints of Denise and Cheyenne. Uh, John Yamnyuk, the uh, president of the Disaster Recovery Institute Canada, was the facilitator or moderator, and he had some great comments. And it was really good when things get opened up to the group, you know, the attendees and listening to their viewpoints or, you know, hey, I like what you said about this. Did you ever consider, you know, and then they provide their viewpoint. So it was really good. I totally enjoyed uh, the the conference overall. I think uh, the partnership between uh, BCI Canada, DRI Canada, and the Disaster Recovery Info Information Exchange Toronto is a real big step in the right direction. With McGregor Communications, um, the, the gentleman I dealt with, uh, Dan Joyce, I think they're all heading in the right direction. They planned a fantastic conference. And it's good to see two, uh, you know, well, actually three, sorry, Three organizations that usually work, I won't say against each other, but, you know, work in their on their own agendas type thing, come together to create a single agenda and work together. I was quite happy with that and very impressed. And I hope that continues. And maybe it's a Canadian thing because there were actually some people who said, you know, maybe it's just a Canadian thing where all these different groups work together in harmony. You know, and I'll, I'll take that, you know, and... Um, wave them the red and white maple leaf on that one you know it was really nice to hear and i think the the chairs and i know there were a few other people on the committee as well they all did a fantastic job so look for upcoming shows over the coming months i will be speaking with many of the speakers that were at the conference about their topics and they can present things in detail and in some cases, you know, I could not attend, obviously, every presentation. So some people I could, some people I couldn't. You know, you, you can't be in every presentation all the time. So I will have them on the show. We'll talk about it. And uh, when the dates come out for the next uh, CRT conference, I'll let you know. And I hope to see you there. In the meantime, if there's a subject you would like us to talk about on the show or a guest to have on the show, please feel free. Send me an email. Let me know. And we'll see about getting them here and get your topic addressed. In the meantime, thanks to everyone at the CRT conference, Dan, you know, Chris, John, Joe, and all your, your helpers. You did a fantastic job. Thank you very much.
and uh, we'll see you next year. And in the meantime, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time and 9 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you here next week.